Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. But really amazing, what we're going to do tonight is we're going to be having a conversation around this topic of eternity matters. If you are visiting us for the first time, don't worry, we're not going to be making a lot of inside jokes. We're just going to be talking about some really helpful topics that we've been covering over these past weeks. But actually, we could have done a whole bunch of different series, and I'll pose this question to Mark as we get started. But why did we do a series focusing on eternity rather than just a series around specifically finance or specifically life? Why did we choose to frame it or even specifically just around the topic of eternity? Why did we choose to frame it the way that we did? And maybe if you've been in church a long time, you might have heard thousands of preachers. I think I've heard thousands of preachers in my life. And that's all amazing and incredible. And one of the things we believe is um, we do two different things, styles of preaching. Maybe you'll know that. One of them would be a thematic type series where we look at a theme like Eternity Matters, or we'll take a book like uh, uh, Daniel, a story, parts of a book, and we'll try to teach and bring the, the truth through those different ways of preaching. And, but when we look at Paul and he addresses different areas like the book of Galatians, the book of Corinthians, he's addressing pastoral concerns in those cities at that time that are relevant to us because often they're similar to the realities that we're facing when we look at a preaching series and look at preaching into different areas, it's often because there's a concern, a concern that maybe in those areas that we'd be preaching in, like perspectives on eternity and perspectives around finances, there's a lack of revelation or understanding about Jesus, about his gospel, about his truth into those areas. And to bring truth and light into those areas brings freedom from anxiety, brings life, brings truth. So when we talk about something like eternity matters, to be honest, we were thinking about doing a series that focuses primarily in and around finances, and, um, and, and that's helpful, and we want to teach people how and what it looks like, because there's far more scriptures and verses speaking about finances than there are verses speaking on faith. You know that? It's about 500 in prayer. There's less on faith. There's 2,500 verses on finances. Why? Because it's a big issue. And Jesus presents in such a big issue that when he teaches in Matthew 6, he says, actually, this issue is an issue of the heart. This issue is an issue of what becomes your master. And when we allow the wrong things to become our master, we get stumped. And then he just finishes off the last one. He says, you can't have two masters. Can't be God and money. It's God or money. And so when we look at it, we look in the light of eternity, which sets our perspective right. Because perspective is an important thing. You know that from anything, when you, when you look at something with a different perspective, it changes how you see that issue, that area, that focus. And so we wanted to bring something of the truth about eternity and, and images like a rope this long and only this long is time on earth versus eternity. We live seemingly for this much on earth and this much for eternity. God wants us to get those things right, and the Bible determines that perspective. And so that's why something like eternity and finances in the light of eternity. And just one thing that's quite cool to look behind the curtain with, uh, with the planning of preaching series. Often we've got a, a plan in place and we go thematically, this is what we want to achieve. The incredible thing is every now and again, just the, the Spirit of God just moves. And I, I, I know as I've been preaching, as Mark's been preaching uh, throughout this series, as other guys have tied in, other guys have weighed in, the, this, this thing of eternity has gripped our hearts afresh. As you preach, the, you cannot help but allow the Word of God to preach to you. Just to let you know that. The preacher doesn't have it all figured out. Absolutely not. 
But the Word of God is, is called a mirror. It's like it described as a mirror because it reveals the motives and attitudes of our hearts, and it does surgery in our hearts. So just to let you know, this, ser- this series is taking shape as we've been preaching it, um, and there's an idea. This is what we feel God is saying, but this is, I don't know about what you see as Spirit-led preaching. This is what it looks like when the Spirit of God has got His finger on our hearts, and He's doing work, and the, the series has taken a, a different shape and form as we've gone along, and it's been, I think it's wonderful to be in a part of a church where the preaching is, is not but form and structure only. It's actually being allowing the wind of the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us, which is um, what God has been doing in the season for us. That's great, Gabe. I think uh, what I love about the statement you made now is you said actually preaching series is not only for those sitting in the chairs listening, but actually it speaks to those who are preaching it. I think just very briefly, one thing that has been a real standout for you in this series that God has spoken to you personally. Um. So I think the thing that, that is amazing, as we've, as we've looked at the Scriptures, something we've said a couple of times, is actually if you look at the Scriptures, and every time Jesus speaks about heaven and hell and starts to address those type of topics, you, can't, you won't have to go very far before you see that He starts talking about money or possessions or wealth. Every time in the text, if you go to have a look where He speaks about heaven and hell, the conversation will either be before it or in it will be turned to money. Why? Because he knows that money is not evil in itself, but money, when, we not, when that becomes our, our God, when it becomes a driving force in our lives, which if we're honest, I think in our hearts, money can take that place very quickly. Jesus knows that those things will anchor us to the here and now when we are supposed to be a people who live for eternal things. So as we've been preaching, I've, I've really started to understand the power of of. The, the hold of money that has on our lives, if we, if we just let it run wild in our lives, the, whether we have lots of it or we have a lack of it, that thing, if we're not holding it into the kingdom of God, it will make us serve earthly pursuits, earthly treasures. And I think that's the amazing thing. If you go read Matthew 6, where Jesus, the verse that we've anchored a lot of the sermons out of, you cannot serve God and money. The stuff before that, if you just look at the way Jesus masterfully frames it, that big statement is not in isolation. Before that, he says, store your treasures not here on earth, but store them in heaven. Then he says, if your eye is bad, then the whole body will be bad, saying, actually, there's a perspective. The way you view this thing of money and treasures and wealth will determine how your whole life goes. Then he makes a statement, you cannot serve God and money. The very next statement after that, he's saying, if you don't get this right, the symptoms of not getting this thing right is that you'll start having worry and anxiety and fear in this area. And actually, that is the, the heart of most of us around money. If I'm honest, if we look at the pastoral concern, a lot of people at this time of recession, of cutbacks, of pressure financially, people find fear and anxiety become the, 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 the default response of our heart. And Jesus addresses that. And I think for me, as I've, this series, it's really allowed my heart to say, actually, who will I serve? Will I serve, allow the spirit, this, this money thing or wealth and possessions to become a driving force? Or actually, do I have to take hold of it and say deliberately, money, wealth, possessions, everything in my hand, you will serve the kingdom of God. It doesn't happen by chance. It doesn't happen by neutral. Jesus is quite divisive with it. He says, you'll either serve God or money. Make a choice. Yeah, that's great, Gabe. I think that's so powerful. And I think what's amazing is I'm a, there's a, I'm a younger man, 25 years old, and actually perspective can be different. There's uh, men and women in this room who have worked with, walked with God for many, many years. And I think, Mark, you've just recently stepped into your 40s, recently 41, which I know is very exciting. And I think the question I'd love to ask is actually how from 20s to 30s to now 40s, you've got three children um, and, and you look very good for 40, I'll, I'll have you know. Um, especially with that ripped jacket. Um, how has your perspective changed over this time? The jacket was on special. Very good. Why do you? No, I think um, 
We're all going to have a story to tell one day down the line. I, I, and our story should be one of faith in the area of our spirituality, faith in the area of our families, faith in the area of our finances, faith. So we did a series uh, about how to build a nation, which was really about positioning our hearts in faith versus fear. And then to speak into, into this context, it's to have a position of faith. Every one of us will have an opportunity in our lives for fear to become our currency. I'm just telling you, it's just coming. If it hasn't come yet and you've been protected from that, that's awesome. Yeah. For me, it happened at 19. My parents went from, I went from someone who was privileged and grew up in a home where we never wanted for anything to my parents losing everything and overnight my world changed. And money all of a sudden becomes a reality, like to eat and to provide and to navigate a journey. And you quickly have to get a perspective on what it is and what it isn't. And um, then life opens up and God is faithful and He's kind. You get opportunities and possibilities like careers and jobs and start earning real money versus um, uh, survival money. And, and then you have another opportunity to make a decision in faith. Who is my master here? In real terms. And, and um, uh, navigating that. Some of you will be shocked, but when I first received my first paycheck at the month of a salary, it wasn't an EFT payment that went through the church. Some of you are like, you did payments without electronic realities? Yes. It was money in a check, money in actually checks. Who remembers what checks are? There we go. You're all over 40. <laughs> Never and, heard um, of but, but just to your question, at different life stages, this thing's going to pop up in different ways. When you're 20, you've got less concerns and, and you're navigating and, and, and life is rosy. Then you get 30 and, and kids are coming and there's different pressures and, and um, your kids are young and there's choices to be made with how you will steward the good things God gives you. I'm talking about time, trans, treasures, money's in there, but it's part of a big package called God has gifted in areas. How will I steward that in a way that reveals his glory? Not just benefits my story. And then, and then what happens, that's internally there's a journey, but externally there's another journey. In 2003, 2004, properties were booming, guys were doubling. Life was different then. Church finances were different then. People's finances were different then. It was easier to give then. Then 2008 happened, and there was a crash in our economics, and people are losing their jobs. These are external realities that affect us. But I'm telling you, when the church takes a hold of the Word, we shine brighter in the toughest times. And I think too many Christians waste far too much time declaring things to the heavenlies, like God turn a recession, rather than God let us shine in the midst of this age and this time now. Because God, you're in control of the details, the bigger story, the bigger picture. And every one of those life stages, the Word has to speak to my heart. Every one of them. I might have been faithful when I was 20, but what's the point of having a test me when I'm 20? I'm 41 now. I want to tell test me's of now. Now I trusted God. I want my kids to watch the faith journey of their parents. And if there are tough conversations along the journey, like, hey, we're going to do away with this thing that we've had for years. We're going to do away with this thing because actually times are a little tougher and we're going to navigate that. That's taking them on the journey. But don't leave them there. Go to prayer. Go to faith. Go to the Word of God. Teach the Word of God to your own soul and to their little hearts. Because when we do that, we are growing. We are navigating with a perspective of faith. 
We're not falling apart. And you've heard me use the example, but it can't be payday. Life is incredible. Top of the mountain, shopping at Woolworths. Two days later, I'm done. I'm finished, hopeless, give up life. No, Jesus isn't like that. God's not inconsistent. My heart tends towards inconsistency when it's not fixed on a rock. And when, when the gospel starts gripping us, it affects every area. Why, why do we not sprinkle people? It's not a style we've chosen. It's not a denominational choice, by the way. It's a belief that it's all in Jesus. It's every part of my life, my every part, my gifts, the, my weaknesses, my strengths, my time, my talents, my treasures. Every part of me needs to be wet and immersed in Jesus. Because then we'll see miracles. Because when it's not, my heart, my head, my thoughts become dry. And I'm dangerous when I'm dry. I start acting like a desert dweller and not a son of God who's in control of the universe. And so call it simplistic. Call it oversimplified. I believe the Bible. I believe God is in control. I believe that he holds my days, my everything in the palm of his hands. I believe he makes my lot secure. I believe it to the point that even if I don't see it, I choose to believe it and it will determine my perspective. And I can get it right every day and every time. And there's been challenging times in that. For us, transitions and changes. We went from, from corporate jobs and bigger world to making a massive career change that had massive financial implications. And it had years of implications. But God is faithful. God is kind. He's everything he says he is in the word. If the church started to believe that, we'll stop fighting half the battles we're fighting. And we'll start living in more of the abundant life he's got for us. That's John 10, 10 says. And I want that for people. And I'm 41, but I've got a much longer story ahead. I want that to still be my story in 30, 40, 100 years time. <laughs> Amen. Um, I think for me, what's, uh, this past week, I met with a, um, a financial advisor. Because, you know, one teaches you, you must go get retirement annuities and all of these annuities that go into various accounts all over the world and somehow they miraculously make more money. But, um, and, but I think what's so fascinating is we live in a world that is store-centric. It's, we live in a world that everything is about storing. Keep it, make sure you look after it, don't give it away, don't do any of those things. And I think for me, what's so exciting, both of these men um, are, have done more life than me, more experience than me. And I think one thing I can say about both of these men um, sitting next to me is that they are generous. And I think for me, what's a, my, is, it's amazing to say, well, how are you generous? But I, more, I want to ask the question, what sacrifices have you had to make in order to allow yourself to live a financial story that has an eternal implication. And so what I mean by that is actually what sacrifices have you had to make in your gabs? You've just recently had another little baby. You've got a, a girl and a boy. You married three, Mark, three kids, a, um, a little bit older, growing into teenage years. But actually, in order to, to live a life that has eternal ramifications of generosity, they've had to be, I would imagine, they've had to be some sacrifices. Don't you want to tell us a little bit about that? Well, I, I, I think I was born into a church that preached faith. And we, we lived in Zimbabwe where there was no other choice. You either die or you pick up faith. Because there was just, that was the, the situation, the con economic pressures that, that was going on at the moment and at that time. So my family chose to pick up faith. 
And I, so I'm so grateful for a, a family who had a, a faith story to hand to me. And that's why I, maybe I, you might disagree with me, but I don't think faith is, Mark said a while ago, that we're not in a season of faith. As if that season will change. Faith is our life. That's what we brought into. That actually apart from faith, we cannot please God. So when, whether I'm 20 with no kids or whether I've got kids or whether I'm 40 and they're about 45, 50 leaving the home, or I think there's no different season in responding to God. And that's why for us, this eternity, eternal, getting an eternal view is so important because perspective is everything. If you start a hike up Table Mountain, if I start a hike up Table Mountain, let me make, yeah, it would be amazing and Come a miracle on, on its own. But also, I would, the, it would not be fun. It would be, you know, because all I see is just the feet in front of me. All I see is just one foot after that, and I'll be, I'll be moaning. And, and, but actually, the whole, the, the whole hike will turn when we get to the top and we're able to see what we've done, where we've gone and traversed. And actually, I think that's the whole thing. So often, all we can see is just what's in front of us, and it leads us to disappointment, frustration. When actually, the series, the Bible calls us to lift our eyes. Lift our eyes and see a different vantage point. And we live from that perspective. I, I watched the, the spring box yesterday, as most of us did. And those were 80 very stressful minutes. I just, we were in the church watching it, and I just saw people, the nails going down. I saw people moving very f- further back, almost like they were leaving the room as they go, went further and further back as the game went on. Can I tell you, once I knew we had won, and I got home, and in the afternoon I watched the highlights again with my wife, not stressful at all, because I knew how it would end. I knew that we won. So when England scored the penalty, I was like, relax, relax. Chesons Colby tries coming. You'll enjoy it. And you see, that's actually the whole thing. Perspective is everything. If we know the big picture and how this story ends, it brings perspective to our now. And we respond differently. We spend our money differently when we know that actually there's a different end. That most people who don't have faith, their whole security is in actually what I'm holding in my hand. But actually, we have a different security saying actually there's treasures ahead of us. And when we have that perspective, it changes our here and now and how we operate. We don't then operate out of fear or do our, what are the demands. Yes, there's always wisdom. Yes, there's always stewarding. There's always those things. But stewarding and wisdom are not opposed to faith. They're included in faith. And that's the lens of life that we've got to live. I think also the language of what sacrifices. I've made no sacrifices. I've just responded to the love of a Savior who made the ultimate sacrifice. And um, when that is your perspective... I've known Jesus since I was a kid. At 14, I knew him as a kid, and then 14, I engaged a community of faith that taught me faith. I saw people moving to, one lady went to Mongolia, a single lady, a teacher. Others planted churches in countries they'd never been to. There was this radical faith that if it affected our wallets, so what? If it affected our time, so what? If it affected, so what? And, And that's hasn't left me. Those images of those people walking out the door and me going, I don't know if I could be that big one day. Hasn't left me. And then you put in the context of money. Money only becomes an issue when it's, if it's faithful monthly giving. I, my wife and I have given since the day we started earning salaries. And Cairns was newly saved. And I remember she was working this thing out. She came and asked me, I said, I can't give you a theology, but I'm going to tell you what I do because I do it in faith. And I think this is what the Bible says. I was 21 years old, she was 22 years old, and we started a journey of faith, because God is faithful. Yeah. And, and I was telling someone this morning, you've got, you got to trust God. Uh, I got a job as a young white male at a time when that wasn't a thing, <laughs> in a corporate that I really wanted to work, because God is faithful. How do I know He's faithful? I lied in the interview and got caught. 
Now I have to tell the story. Tell the story, bit. Mark. So I, 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 my parents have been liquidated. I had 48,000 Rand debt from a student loan. I was surviving. I had an opportunity to play sports overseas, and God said, stay. And that's another story. But God said, stay. I was 21 years old, 20 years ago. And um, I applied for a job, an interview, and found out later that thousands of people applied for this job. And in the interview, everything went really well. I thought I was doing great. She thought it was all good. Her name was Marianne Hillary. And um, right at the end, I was applying for a, a, um, a job in marketing. So I thought, well, I don't have a TV, so I need to phone one of my mates. And I phoned a mate who was working for this company, Unilever. He was in marketing. I said, tell me about like an ad campaign or something that you did. So, and and um, he told me, this lady asked me a question right at the end. said, tell me about an ad campaign. And I started going for it. Unbelievable chicken, one of your products. This is who it's reaching. She starts to giggle. She starts to giggle. It's never a good thing in an interview, really. You're not sure. So I got highly insecure. She giggled more and more. And then I said, I, just, I said to her, can I ask you why are you laughing? She said, that is amazing. You have nailed it. The only problem is I'm the marketing manager of that product, and that ad hasn't launched on TV yet. <laughs> so my friend Denzel Nightingale, who I phoned to get insights, was working for her as the brand manager and forgot to find out if the ad was actually on TV yet. The reason I tell that story is actually I was giving it my best shot. But there was a God who's far more faithful. That lady fought for me. I only found this out years later. She fought for me. Through six rounds of interviews, she fought for me. She believed me. There was something that happened. She's not a believer. There was something God did. And, and I don't know what favor looks like to you. I don't know what the hand of God looks like to you. To me, it looks like the time I actually told a fib and, and made my best chance. But God went well before me in that and made a plan. And, and, I'm, and, and I got caught out because I'm always caught out. And we will always be caught out. But God's never caught out. And you can trust Him with your futures. And you can trust Him if you will trust Him in faith. You don't have to have all the answers. You just need to know a few simple things. Years ago, uh, to talk about sacrifice, just uh, I think Mark's story and my story, we're privileged to also not just be responding now. We've got great parents who've responded in faith for years, month upon month, and both our families, middle-income families, but parents who just take God as word. And I just want to tell you, don't, don't ever deny, don't ever put aside what actually what your faith is doing now for your kids or the future generations. This is why an eternal perspective is important, because the world will get you to live for now, live for now, but actually, when we're giving, we act, I'm giving not despite my kids, I'm giving for my kids. Yeah. I'm giving for their future, because actually, I want them to have a revelation that they can trust God. And uh, when, when I was uh, 16 or 17, I wanted to go on a mission trip to, to the Congo. Our family didn't have the finance. I didn't understand the finance situation at the time. My parents sold our second car to fund my trip to the Congo. As a 17-year-old, I didn't understand that. I just thought that this is what families did. But it was quite a, it's quite a huge thing. My parents, in, in faith, they actually sold our second car because they thought it was important for me to go on a mission trip to the Congo. The amazing thing is that move was happened there. When I moved here to Cape Town to come and start working in the church at the age of 21, on the, the, the week before I moved down here, and I was planning, how am I going to get around when I get there? Probably have to work a bus system or something like that. A family in the church came to me and said, actually, we, we need to meet with you. And they arrived at my home, and they put a car key in my hand and said, our car is yours. Here's the papers. And they said, we're giving you a car so that you can take a car to Cape Town. And I didn't understand, again, the paradigm. I wasn't sure how this worked. I'm like, how does this work? How does this sort of thing happen? In the kingdom of God, God operates. It's not quid pro quo. If you do this, he'll do this. He said, I'm faithful. You can trust me. The amazing thing is when they did that, I remember thinking, they must be rich. Because I mean, who gives away cars? I'm like, they must be rich. 
And I remember thinking there going, one day I'd love to be, when I'm rich, I want to be able to do that and give away a car. That's what, that's what was my prayer. 21 said, when I'm rich. And the incredible thing in this journey is that God takes us on these journeys. Last year, God stirred that actually in faith, we said actually our car, for the time's sake, our car, we had two more months till our car was going to be paid off. And I was so excited about that because that would free up space in the budget. I was so excited. And then all of a sudden, my wife hears God in the middle of a worship session saying, give that car away. And she comes to me and she's not that way inclined. She's quite, she's budget orientated. She knows the things. So she comes and says, God spoke to me. We must give that car away. And everything inside me went, oh, no. No, I can't, not now. Why? We've, the plan is this, and we're having another kid. This is going to be tough. But actually, the more and more, I just thought, actually, God was saying, open your hand. Do you trust me? And I remember that I had the privilege of giving that car away and such joy flooding into my heart. And I remember having the realization, I must be rich now. Because I said, when I'm rich, I want to give away a car. And actually, I think this is it. We all delay ourselves. When I've got, I'll be able to do. But actually, Andy Stanley describes wealth as not what you gain, but by what you give. And I want to tell you, if we want to be a rich people, a wealthy people, don't give out of what we've got, but actually out of God's resources, where people start opening our hands. And you'll see miracles. Everyone wants to see miracles, but no one wants to open their hands. God wants to fill your hands with stories, fill your life with stories. But actually, it starts with just trusting Him, saying, I trust you. Brilliant. I think I'd love to just make the conversation a little bit more practical around both of you have spent many years experienced around connecting with people, having to deal with the highs and the lows of these things. Let's talk about some practical mistakes that you've seen people make that have shortchanged their capacity to be able to give and live the lives, that, the blessed lives that God's got for them. Um, maybe let's talk about some of those practical things and then maybe some healthy habits that can, can see the life of God flow in those areas. To that question, one of the reasons we haven't just done a series on giving, which most churches would do, is I think we shortchange the church. That's why we've done a series with eternity and money in the light of eternity, because to just teach people to give without the right perspective and God's perspective, I think we're not giving them the big why. And it's hard to buy in when you don't get the why. It's like, I'll do it for three months reluctantly, but why? Like, they're just being horrible to me. No, that's not the issue. Then to this point of navigating, and, and I look around this room, and there's my mates, the Hickmans there, and, and the Nels, and, and we've got teams at the back there, Ron and Caro, and, and, and Warwick and Lisa. Guys have walked for years and years, trusting God and faithfully, who've got bigger stories and could tell longer stories. But all of us would have seen people who've hit tough times. My own parents hit tough times, and there's navigating that. And, and the first thing is keeping a posture of faith, and we've been speaking a lot about that. That's just the reality. But you want to know how you want to have a good money story? Well, be in the Word of God. They're not unrelated. Jesus is not silent on the issue. And I need my heart to have His heart. My journey is not to become a great steward of finances. My journey is to become like Jesus, who was a great steward of His life. And when I realize that finances and other areas of my life are just one of those opportunities I'm given by a Father in heaven to be like Him, then I stumble into better decisions. I stumble into things that don't look like what the world looks like. Simple things. And in our personal story, we've had the privilege of owning a home in Durban for 15 years. And I remember when we applied for that home, times were good, banks were chucking money at everyone. Remember those days? Anyone remember? Again, over 40. And, um, but like you go to the bank, they'll give you as much as you want. And they gave us a number. You can go spend this much. We're like, wow. 
<laughs> That's amazing. We must be wealthy. Meanwhile, we didn't have any of that money. We just had what they would offer us. And then we went, we looked, and I remember God spoke, and he gave us a number. And it was a third of the amount they'd offered us. And I said to Cairns, we're going to ask God for a place to buy a place at a third of the number. Why? Because I felt that's where our faith could be good. I felt that where we could be faithful, we could still be generous, and God would be kind to us. And we found a property within 5,000 rand of that number that we bought that has been an absolute blessing to us. And I can tell you now, I would never have been able to make the transition into ministry if I hadn't have bought at that price. God had a new store. When we bought that house, I thought we were going places. This was just, literally, the plan was live here for two years, keep it as an investment, buy another one. That was the, the big idea. And at the time, that looked like what it was. But God had another plan. When you tie yourself up with anchors that aren't of God, you'll struggle to move when He asks you to move. You'll struggle to respond with faith, and you'll find reasons why you can't. Well, I can't because I'm in this house, and it cost me three times what something else could have cost me. And I use that as an example because I'm telling you, people do that with their lives all the time. I can't be generous now. Well, start somewhere. Get good steward in your fi- stewardship in your finances. And if you can't, ask someone to step in. Speak to Sharon and Keith. Speak to Malcolm. Speak to Warwick. Speak to someone. And say, could you come and help me get order in my finances? You see, everyone wants the Prince of Peace. Yeah. You know what comes before the Prince of Peace? The government will rest on his shoulders. You need the government of heaven to come upon your life in the area of something like finances. And I promise you, just taking the government starts bringing peace and abundance will begin to flow. And maybe you're not living in abundance now. You say, I can't give a cent now. That's fine. That's fine. You, I've said it here before. We don't check. I don't check who gives and who doesn't. And you can't come and I'm going to come and visit you at payday. We don't do that here. <laughs> you will never have me visit you on payday unless you invited me for dinner. But... Jesus invites you to form your life around him and not be conformed. And the number one thing I get asked is, how do I know what the will of God for my life is? Well, the Bible tells you, do not conform to the patterns of the world. The patterns of the world is spend as much as you can, satisfy every desire that you can. And on the other side of that, you'll be fulfilled and you're never fulfilled. You just want more. The Bible says, become like God, become a sower of seed. And eat what you need to to survive today. Buy into a kingdom policy. On the other side of that, you'll stumble into a fruitful field and abundance. They're not complicated things. The problem is we have to allow them to land on us as the soil. We love being the seed, but we're just the soil. He says, I want to put seed. And the word of God brings life. So, so. I could talk to you about budgets, and there are better people who could do that. I could tell you about investing. There are better people who can do that. I can tell you about making Jesus your king. And when you make Jesus your king, he becomes your resourcer. He becomes the one who is bigger than the seasons and economic realities. And he's got your kids in the palm of his hand, their futures. Uh, Just let me speak about kids for one second, that's all right. People are making bad decisions financially around their children. Honest statement. And I mean it. And it's often because children have become idols. I sat with someone the other day. They were paying for massive school fees to make sure their kids got that education. And they were going into debt every month. And they're going, I can't partake in a bigger story because this is the right thing. And I, God's told me to invest in your children. Number one, he's more committed to them than you, he, than you could ever be. 
He has greater resources for them than you could ever have. He is faithful in his kind. And I'm telling you, I think it's more sinful actually to not trust him with their futures than to take their futures in your hands. You're limiting them. Give them a faith story. Trust God. If I had one preach to preach for the rest of my life, it would be this preach. Trust God. Trust him. You're getting married in 20 days' time or whatever the numbers are. Trust God. You're in a later time of your life and there's not enough money in the bank. Trust God. You, you, you're trusting for big dreams. You've got passions. Trust God. And, and I think to, to tie on with that is that often we all want the remarkable story. We all want to give away a car one day. We all want to give away a house. I think Jesus put a principle in place that actually faith is a muscle and it grows. And actually, so, so many of us will never be able to make the big thing. We will want to be part of extreme makeover. Move that bus. Yeah. When actually God has actually caused, he has actually this, grow that muscle. And actually, the scripture we all love to quote, maybe you know, to be in a church any length of time, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. The context of that scripture is in light of money. Jesus says, no, you can't serve God and mammon, can't serve God and money because otherwise anxiety and, and worries and constraints will come upon your life. In light of that, seek first the kingdom of God. That scripture is about finances. And actually sometimes to bring order into finances is actually you know what's the first thing you do in the morning. Most of us, social media. Just check how many notifications there. What's the first thing you do about in the morning? You, you check your bank balance. Often so many of us, we're doing the first thing. We're putting our lives under pressure. We're going to something that finds, gives us fulfillment. When actually with finances, what is the first thing you do every month? I, I want to suggest a principle. That's, and again, this principle for us is something that comes up not because this is what the Bible says. You must do it. This comes a principle on the back of this is who God is. We see him and then we respond to him. Like any other area in the, in, the, in the word of God, you see him and then we respond. Is a principle that we talk about here called tithing. And tithing is a biblical principle that is before the law and we can do a teaching on it another time. But actually, whether, whether you stand on that tithing, that, that teaching, it's a great habit to put in your, in your life of actually sowing into the kingdom of God first. Because actually where you, you sow first shows where you trust. Not based on what I've left over. And I just want to say on a personal, if we make it personal, we, we've believed believe the statement that tithers tell testimonies. That actually, I, I've, since I was a little guy, I've just watched my parents faithfully give financially to the local church. Why? Because then when you give to a local church, you're not at the center. It's not about you and I'm going to get a claim. It's actually God, I'm giving. The Bible says, give in secret. That's the principle that Jesus says in Matthew 6. And a lot of that, we've just done that every month. Actually, we give just actually 10%, 10%. And actually, whether it's 10% or whatever amount, the Corinthians says, you decide in your heart what to give. But whatever it is, the Bible calls it to be a sacrifice. And actually, on the back of that, watch God be faithful. Watch God be faithful. If, if you just take him at his word and watch what he does. If you struggle with their theology, just park that for a while and say, actually, God, I'm going to trust you. That's the essence of Mark is driving. Principles are not principles for principles sake. They're principles that lead to life because we've seen who our God is. He's a provider. A second principle that I've seen test me of, Jesus says this amazing statement. He says, they argue, the disciples arguing, hey, who should we give the government or to the king? And, and he says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. And without making a bigger theology than I need to, can I tell you, the government of God says, pay your taxes. Yeah. Let me tell you how, sometimes you go, ah, oh, but I don't know about this system. Listen, when you start bringing order, watch God bring his blessing. Yeah. Yeah. I've just seen it in my mother-in-law's life, and now she's given me permission to tell the story. For years, she lived under pressure financially, and the one area that, and she didn't even tell us about this, but she was in massive debt to SARS. 
But she came to church and she heard the preaching of the word. And we ne- I don't think we've ever preached a sermon where we said, give two stars. I don't think we've ever done that. But the Spirit of God works. When you put God first, things, the Spirit of God speaks. And she started on her own, she, on her own accord. She started to cut the debt slowly, month by month, pay two stars. And it stretched her, stretched her. I promise you, on the last month when she paid off that debt to SARS, she's a real estate agent. Sales started to come. Bah, 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 bah. And I'm not saying that God's withhold, that God's a, a hard taskmaster holding back on us. But actually, there is such things as actually trusting Him and allowing Him to be God in your life. If you want to keep being God in your life, do that. But then you have to provide. But if you allow Him to be God, He promises that He'll provide. So I want to say, seek first the kingdom and give to Caesar or give to Cyril what is Cyril's. Trust him, Brilliant, trust yeah. him, and actually go on the back of just two simple practices, whether you have great theology or not. Trust Cyril. If you trust, trust the Father, <laughs> Jesus. But on those two things, whether you have theology or not, if you take a step of faith, watch your faith muscle grow, and you'll see amazing things. Yeah. Okay. That's great, Gabs. I think uh, to land this conversation, I'd love to just ask a simple question. Maybe we can start with you, Mark. What are some of the, the signs and wonder testimonies? Last week, we tell a story of a man in our community giving away a car. And actually, what was, for me, what stood out so beautifully in that story is not that he walked up to someone on a Sunday and said, actually, I want to give you a car. He came to the leadership of the church and said, give this car to someone who needs it. And actually, the beautiful thing about the anonymity of that, of actually, I'm not going to take the acclaim. I'm going to give because God's calling me to respond. That is a sign and a wonder. What are some of the signs and wonders you guys, as, a, as the leaders of, of congregations in our community, but as a leadership team, that you would love to see happening in our community off the back of this series? I, um, I've seen God move in this area. I've had an unsaved Irish businessman pay for my studies. My, um, I've had um, God intervene in mighty ways. I've been given amazing things by friends and people, God's grace. You know what the greatest sign and wonder was? I led a life group in 2003. And there was a man named Becky Zulu in my life group. And um, Becky, the English was broken, but he came into community, and, and he came into community with a racist man who um, God dealt with his racism in that life group and made Becky one of his best friends. But I had my 24th birthday at a restaurant on the point of Durban. It's about 4Ks from the middle of nowhere. And, and we were there, and Becky was invited. And Becky was late. He tried to phone him. He couldn't get there. He, he, and he pitched up an hour and a half late, sweating, carrying a cake. And, um, and I remember, because I was frustrated he wasn't there, there was a whole bunch of stuff. And then... I went to him. I said, Becky, where have you been? We would have picked you up. No, no, no. He, he bought me a cake. See, now my friend got him the job. I knew that he, at the time he earned 80 rand a day. He bought a cake that cost him personally over 100 rand from his boss because he worked for Chateau Ghetto. Because he bought the cake for my birthday, he didn't have money to catch a taxi to where we were having this. So he walked. And I realized the poor can teach the rich a lot. And I realized when I want to see Jesus, I've got to see him in people. It's going to be hands. It's going to be feet. It's going to be costly. This gospel is costly. Let me not break. It's not tithes and giving and being partaking. That's the least of your cost. Your cost will be your heart. The cost will be when God says, I need you to bless, to give, to be a part of all to receive. 
It's going to break your heart. But when we allow God to show himself through his people in signs and wonders like Becky for me, and you'll have your own stories, it makes me want to be more like Jesus. It makes me want to be more like my Father in heaven. It makes me just want to buy into a story that's bigger than tomorrow's news. It's bigger. It's bigger. And then when God asks things of you down the line, I remember Becky, and I remember God's intervening when I needed him to, and I remember his provision, and I remember my life group leader who I'm going on holiday with in a while because when I was 20 years, 19 years old, I had nothing. He bought a 30 rand burger and gave me a 50 rand tip. You don't forget generosity. The Bible says the world of the generous gets bigger and bigger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Become like God. Become generous. That's all. Why do we preach this series? And I want to hand over to Gabe. Now, we preach this series because, because my job is to teach the Bible so that you have an appetite for God and you want to become like Him. That's my job. My job is not to do the gospel. Our job is to buy into and become the gospel signs and wonders. And I'm telling you, it'll look like stories like Becky was to me. It, it, I remember that night being broken by that man's generosity to me, realizing that God had given me a brother who'd come from such a different context, and yet he had something that I needed. And it wasn't a cake. It was a heart that was broken by the nature and the character of the Father who gave his son for me. Maybe to you it's just a cake. To me it was far more. So I could tell you other stories, but that one. Just for time's sake, just one statement that I believe that we are, when we see eternity... Uh, the whole thing is that we are, I think we were created as Christ followers to be the freest, most joyful, yeah. and in, I include this, the most dangerous people on planet Earth. Yeah. When I look at the Apostle Paul, you couldn't touch him. You just couldn't touch him. Nothing could get him down. You'll, they'll say, we're going to imprison you. He said, great, I get to preach to your gods. They're like, then we're going to kill you. He says, to live as Christ, to die as gain. But actually, I think so many of us, we've got caught up in the, the Christian world. We've turned that little to live as Christ, to die as gain around. And we're saying, to live as gain, and then to die as, as Christ. So what I mean is we, we'll take it care of it here, but salvation is, is for that day. When actually eternity starts now. Jesus doesn't say it's just a, it's one day when, when you die, then we can sort of actually, no, no, to live is Christ. Yeah. I live now for the sake and the approval of Him. Yeah. To when I die, then it's gain. I get to be with Him face to face. But when we subtly slip, the, the, the Western church switches that around. Live for, your, live for yourself. Live for your gain. And one day Christ will take over your eternity. No, he takes care of it now. And actually, that's when we get this thing. When the gospel gets in our heart, actually, we're people who, despite recession, despite junk status, we have a different testimony of going, actually, we're so free. We're not caught in debt. We're not caught in the, the ways of the patterns of the world. We're, we're caught in a different economy, an economy that's determined by heaven. Because I can tell you, when I've seen churches and families thrive in tough economic times in Zimbabwe, I can tell you, God can do it here. And he's wanting to do it. He's wanting for the church to shine, shine brighter than before. Though the days are evil, make the most of the days that we've got. Great. We're just going to take a moment. Can I ask us to stand as a community? And we're just going to take a moment to allow... There you go. Holy Spirit. Um, we're just going to take a moment. And I'm going to ask these men to just pray over us and minister over us just for a moment. Because God's doing something in our community. I think I love how you say that, Gabe, because I believe generous communities will change the world because it's a sign and a wonder to people. So we're just going to take a moment. And can I ask just to close your eyes for a moment? And they're just going to pray over us and minister what we've spoken about.
this evening. Probably the hardest thing is to let go of what you're holding on to. I think one of the most profound scriptures, Jonah cried out, he said, actually those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. When we hold on to things that aren't Jesus, even good things, like our giftings, our ability to generate wealth, earn a salary, provide for our children, when we hold on to those things, we forfeit something so much bigger called the grace of God. And all I'm going to ask you tonight is, will you let go of some things and take a hold of Him? It sounds simple, but it's not simple. When you're holding on to something because you think that's your source of life, it's going to keep your head above water, it's very hard to let go of that thing. But it's essential. Because we get to take a hold of Jesus' hand, receive His blood, His washing, His touch, His grace, His goodness. Stop clinging to worthless idols. Cling to Jesus now. If you need to do that with me, will you raise your hands now in areas, whatever those areas might be. And I pray, Spirit of God, as you are here now, tonight's been different, but you are here in power. Your truth speaks life. I pray right now, revelation in this place of God, the giver, God, the provider, God, the redeemer. God, the restorer, God who is able, God who is faithful, Father, who though fathers on this earth can give good gifts, how much more the Father in heaven. I pray a revelation of the how much more of heaven right now in tough times, right now in tough economic realities, right now where people have debt or challenges, whatever it is. I pray, God, that in my heart I would let go of worthless idols, let go of the life rafts, let go of the things I hold on to that I think keep me afloat and I would take a hold of the grace of the living God that is more glorious, more able, more powerful than any other thing in this world. And I say this to my heart and I say this to my future. I trust the God of heaven. I trust the God who is above it all, beyond it all, who is greater than it all, who has won it all. I trust Jesus and I trust Him in my life and for my future. I trust you, God. And I let go of worthless idols and I take a hold of the grace that can be mine today. We worship you, King. Jesus, my prayer is that as the old song goes, I surrender all. All to Him I freely give. All to Jesus, I surrender. I surrender all. I thank you, Father God. You, In this moment, you are fighting for our hearts. You're fighting for freedom. You're fighting for joy. You're fighting for futures. You're fighting for eternities right here. Our eternities and the eternities of those around us, Father God. We will be a people who would not be preoccupied with self. But right now, Father, lift our eyes. Lift our eyes to see you, Jesus. And I thank you, Father God, release the abundance of heaven upon us, that we, we will be conduits for your blessing, your goodness.
as we land, maybe the Bible also speaks about the gift of generosity. And I feel that maybe there's some people here saying, actually, I want to be an extravagantly generous people. And I want to see through my business, through my, whatever, my work situation, I want to see God move in a way so that I can be extravagantly generous and fund studies, fund operations, fund moments, employ people in a, in a big scale. Maybe you're here asking God for the gift of generosity. All of us are called to be generous, but there's also a gift that operates in a, in a different way. If that's you, lift your hands. Father, right now, I thank you for these men and women as they lift their hands. You say, eagerly desire the gifts. I thank you, Father, there's a desire in their hearts. You say, I want to be extravagantly generous. These hands are saying, my business, my skills, my abilities. I thank you, Father. You say in your word, you give us the, you give us the ability to create wealth. So I thank you, Father, that comes from you. But then you say to us, I want to bless you so that you can be a blessing. So, Father, I pray the abundance of heaven. Pour out on business owners. Pour out, God, right now, uh, the, the, on salary earners, on everybody here, despite what the economy says. I thank you, Father. We would see businesses start to boom, but not to become storehouses on their own, but to become places that disperse the finances of, of, of heaven to fund kingdom adventures. I thank you, Father God, that you are faithful. And as people lift their hands up, God, in a simple moment here, you're doing something more profound, Holy Spirit. You're igniting hearts and you're establishing what is possible. You're taking the survival mentality off us, and we are people who thrive, who thrive so that others may live. I declare this over every business owner, every salary earner, every person here, even unemployed people. I pray, give them jobs right now, Father, so they can be a blessing. If you're needing a job, lift your hand right now in faith. If you're needing a job, Father, right now, I pray, jobs open up. CVs be answered. I thank you, Father God. Right now, we pray for divine, divine intervention. We pray for stories of miracles, Father God, that this week we'll have phone calls returned. I thank you, Father. This week, God, we'll see your mighty hand. Not that the salary would come in, God. That's the smallest level, but so that we can be a blessing. I thank you, Father God. We tonight say we trust you. This is us saying we trust you. We thank you, Father God, that we trust you, our provider, our Jehovah Jireh, our King. And our eyes are on you, Jesus.